0: For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and in this latest readout video from our free Wednesday wake-up email newsletter, we continue our commentary on the COP28 conference, described as Climate Christmas by Heatmap Daily, only to have the host and chair, Sultan al jaber play Grinch he blurted out that there was no science out there to justify phasing out fossil fuels to hold the temperature increase to 1.5 degrees celsius and then demanded quote, show me the roadmap for a phase out of fossil fuel that will allow for sustainable socioeconomic development unless you want to take the world back into caves end quote ho, ho, ho we say after a while damage control parties got hold of the matter and climate home news declared that quote, Science has guided my life, Sultan al jaber hit back after being accused of denying the scientific consensus that a massive cutback on fossil fuels is needed to prevent devastating climate impacts. Striping a firm and at times exasperated tone, the oil executive turned COP 28 president slammed press reports as misrepresentations, the result of statements taken out of context, unquote. Yeah, out of context and into cave, exactly as the supposed kooks had been warning all along. And whatever denunciations or rationalizations they offered, there's one thing no alarmist put forward. That roadmap. And another thing. In another unguarded moment, Robinson Mayer of Heatmap Daily confesses that, quote, before I came to COP, I knew that it was, to borrow the late historian Daniel Borston's phrase, a pseudo-event, a spectacle that exists partially to be covered in the press. What I did not realize is that many of the main COP proceedings are a kind of pseudo-event within a pseudo-event, a media-driven story that acts as an organizing narrative for the larger conference, end quote. And if it's all make belief what the heck? Let's join in. Quote, none of this is to disparage COP. Even though it might be a pseudo-event, it can still change the world. It has changed the world, end quote. And he wrote those words on the third day of this pseudo-event, which had changed nothing, and wasn't going to change anything. But, who needs practical results when you can play make-believe with 70,000 or so of your friends? Oh, sorry, not 70,000. We had repeated the absurd claim that that many people would attend COP28. But, as Mayer wrote elsewhere, quote, if you count delegates, staff, other attendees, and day visitors, more than 100,000 people will go to the climate conference this year, the UN climate director Simon Steele announced yesterday, end quote. So, the climate discussion nexus regrets the error, the waste, and in fact, the entire conference. Now, if your reaction to the previous item was Simon who, rather than how many, We'd like you to know that quote United Nations Secretary-General Antonio Guterres appointed Mr. Simon Steele of Grenada as Executive Secretary of the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change UNFCCC on 15 August 2022 after consultation with the conference of the parties through its bureau end quote. And if your reaction to this item is, whoa, what a lot of jobs for the boys and girls, though apparently the salary is a stingy $207,000 a year. Uh, what has this guy actually done to save us from sinful, bad weather? there, I'm afraid you have us. However, it turns out that a major reason for the bloated quality of this year's event is that the UAE is actually using COP28 as, of all things, a fossil fuel industry trade show. As CFACT observes, Nigeria has sent 1,411 people to the conference, including 422 on the official state payroll. While in the real world, out Siberia way, it's gotten as low as minus 58.7 degrees Celsius, which is cold even for them, but naturally, it's just weather. Now, as if to prove that an amateur economist is nearly as dangerous as an amateur doctor, though how an amateur got this kind of job is hard to understand, we give you Kristalina Georgieva, who, quote, holds a PhD in economics and an MA in political economy and sociology from the Karl Marx Higher Institute of Economics. Now, if someone showed up with that resume, what job would you give them? Well, how about head of the International Monetary Fund, where she says, quote, "...diverting the trillions of dollars by which the world subsidizes fossil fuel production each year and putting an implicit price on carbon emissions would generate the vast amounts of cash needed to tackle the climate crisis," end quote. Whoa! Money falls through the sky in unlimited amounts, and she's a Marxist? Or astonished at the fact that she's head of the IMF? and now a word from our sponsor and yes again that's you all the people out there who are already backing our work and all the people who are subscribing more than 84,000 of you on youtube alone where we've had almost 10 million views but we need to keep up the momentum and that's why i interrupt to pass the hat to those of you who aren't already backers and say please make a pledge one time or monthly three dollars five dollars ten dollars Whatever you can afford so we can continue to push back against the climate cult and win this battle. And now, back to me. And from the If That's Victory file, Heatmap tells us, quote, offshore wind has gotten off to a bumpy start in the U.S. But today, one of them achieved a historic, uh, though at this point largely symbolic, milestone. It started delivering power to the mainland, end quote. Wow. See, quote, New York aims to have 100% clean power by 2040. Once the 12 turbines that make up South Fork are completed, it will be 0.01% of the way there, end quote. So more of an inch stone than a milestone, really. In the newsletter, we also note that there's a lot of interest in carbon capture and storage nowadays. And yes, there is a certain logic to pursuing all plausible avenues, and even some odd ones, when you've arrogated to yourself as large a task as changing the weather worldwide. But it's also a kind of backdoor admission that actually cutting emissions of greenhouse gases, CO2 in particular, aren't going well and aren't about to. And speaking of cutting, the CBC, Canada's state broadcaster, ran a glowing self-profile by a guy who, quote, got a vasectomy due to climate grief, end quote. Right. A failing media company with a collapsing audience share going through Christmas layoffs of hundreds of staff despite its $1.4 billion subsidy probably shouldn't be celebrating the further shrinking of its remaining woke audience. In the newsletter, we also present a cri de cringe from the apparently underemployed World Health Organization's Regional Director for Europe. That's Dr. Hans-Henri P. Kluge, who declares that, quote, climate change is causing death and destruction. Climate action is our only hope for survival, end quote. Right, as long as we ignore the death and destruction caused by climate action that deprives people of heat and food. Just following the science here, folks. Now according to Dr. Kluge, who wears a mask in every shot on his Who page, quote, the climate crisis is a health crisis and the call to protect the health of current and future generations is an urgent one, end quote. (sighs) You know, we've had more than enough inflammatory rhetoric and once the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres had opened the mouth of hell, it got kind of hard to get people excited. Although totally mangling the science still does it for us. For instance, this impressive density of errors per word in his next paragraph, quote, This summer, for the first time in the WHO European region, we declared the climate crisis and its consequences a health emergency. We are witnessing an escalation of heat waves, floods, droughts and wildfires, all taking a heavy toll on the health of our people, end quote. No, we're not. There is no increase in heat waves, floods, droughts or wildfires in Europe or globally. Nor is it true that, quote, each year new and disastrous climate records are set, end quote. And it certainly isn't true that, quote, over past decades, the number of extreme weather events has increased by a factor of five in the WHO European region, which covers 53 member states across Europe and Central Asia, end quote. And it's not even true that Europe covers Central Asia, for that matter. But if he's that bad at science, maybe it's best that he doesn't try to meddle with people's health, which is apparently his day job, instead of vaporing about how, quote, we need genuinely robust policies and political commitments as the foundation for urgent action, end quote. As if anyone ever called for genuinely feeble policies, or if, by COP28, we didn't need to get past those political commitments as a foundation and got on to actually doing something. Or not. Because this week's entry in the ECS in the real world below 2 degrees Celsius pileup comes from a group of scientists from Norway that we already heard from in Altered et al. 2012. This time the lead author is R.B. Skia, but most of the names are the same as in the Aldrin paper, just in a different order. And much of the data is the same, as is the method. But they used a bit more data, they made some slight improvements to the method, and guess what? The estimate of ECS went down. So follow the science, we say. Also, a new paper in Of All Places Nature magazine shows that the mid-Holocene warm period, 6,000 to 9,000 years ago, which the IPCC is trying hard to wipe out as it thinks it did the medieval warm period, shows up vividly in both the Greenland ice cap and in sedimentary layers under Lake Chala in the tropics, it's on the border between Kenya and Tanzania. Hmm, far north and middle of the tropics, might we gently suggest that this was a global warm period? And speaking of Africa, from the CO2Science.org archive, we unearth a 700-year record of climate variability in tropical Africa derived from profiles of biogenic silica abundance in varved sediment cores retrieved from northern Lake Malawi. Basically, the researchers found a medieval warm period, though it was later than in Europe, and then a little ice age from about 1570 to 1820, for which is also evidence from Peru and the South Pole. Once again, it sounds like a global cycle of natural warming and cooling. Wait till Sultan Al Jaber gets his hands on that one. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and I know what's keeping us from living in caves. (laughs) ¶¶